The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the AMA. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're talking with Dr. Bobby McCamela, an otolaryngologist from Flint, Michigan, about the AMA's newly released 2021 Overdose Epidemic Report. Dr. McCamela is the chair of the AMA Board of Trustees and chair of the AMA Substance Use and Pain Care Task Force. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. McCamela, thanks again for joining us today. The AMA just released its 2021 overdose epidemic report. First off, uh, can you give us a little bit of background about the primary goal of this report? Absolutely, thanks for having me, Todd, for this important uh, conversation. So this report captures um, physicians' actions thus far to help end the nation's drug-related overdose and, and death epidemic. And also importantly, talks about the work that still needs to be done to emerge from this epidemic. Um, our AMA's primary goal with this work is to reduce the number of people dying from a drug-related overdose and improve the outcomes for patients with pain, with a mental illness, or a substance use disorder. Now, just as background for viewers out there, I noticed there is a shift in terminology away from kind of the opioid epidemic report into the overdose epidemic report. What, what's behind that shift? Well, the reality is, is that, you know, when it was something that was being prescribed, most of that was opioids. But now that the bulk of people that are sort of suffering with this are, are seeking illicit drugs, some of those are not opioids, right? Some of those are sedatives, you know, barbiturates, benzodiazepines, other categories of medications that are non-opioid, but still very problematic to the public health. And I think, you know, would you say that's behind what we're seeing, which is this kind of countervailing set of trends in terms of the number of prescriptions uh, versus deaths? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, today's epidemic has, has evolved, or I should say devolved significantly. You know, illegally manufactured fentanyl, fentanyl analogs are extremely lethal, very widespread, and are often packaged to look just like prescription medications. So people think they're safe when they're anything but. Um, and yet, while this epidemic has changed, the response to it is still lagging behind. That's why even though policies aimed at reducing the number of prescriptions of these opioid um, analgesics have cut the number of prescriptions almost in half, there are still more drug-related overdose deaths than ever. Um, and, and we worked hard to make progress on this one issue, but others have emerged um, in its wake. You know, the increased use of state prescription drug uh, monitoring programs or PDMPs, has this had an impact on these efforts? Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, between 2014 and 2020, we did see the use of these state PDMPs increase from 61 and 61.5 million to more than 910 million uses. Um, so as a physician, I see the value in the PDMP as a tool to help me learn information. But the PDMP doesn't treat pain or substance use disorder. Right? So mandating me to use it a certain number of times a year might be helpful to identify patients who may you know, need help with a possible opioid use disorder or better coordination of care, but a PDMP isn't going to make it any easier for them to find that help. It's not going to help that patient get in to see a pain management physician or an addiction medicine specialist, um, and it doesn't help connect the patient with treatment. So, And keep in mind also that 
you know, there are more than 106,000 physicians and other professionals have an X waiver to prescribe buprenorphine in the office, which is a very important medication and treatment. But 80 to 90% of patients with a substance use disorder still don't receive treatment. So a huge disconnect between sort of supply and demand for those resources and services. Why, why that disconnect? You know, it, I think it's still not enough, right? When you look at, okay, we have 106,000 physicians with an X waiver. Some of them use it. You know, I, I have my X waiver. I did that because I wanted to learn about it. But as an otolaryngologist, I just don't have that much opportunity to have patients that I'm taking care of for the long term to use it. So just like me, there are a lot of people that have the waiver as part of a desire to educate themselves. But, but we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that there's 100,000 physicians out there that are ready to take 100 patients each. To, to deal with um, this problem. And so a huge disconnect between supply and demand. And so I think we need to make it part of medical education actually, so that a new generation of physicians feel, feels much more comfortable taking care of patients with substance use disorder. Well, let's talk a little bit more then about the way forward because we're, you know, we're in a different situation now where the you know, use of uh, the illicit uh, drugs is really you know, uh, made this a much more difficult situation. How how do we have to change how we approach this and how we think about this problem? The, the main thing that I see is, is uh, lack of access to treatment. And so what this epidemic would really benefit from is increased access to evidence-based treatment rather than only mandates for physicians to, to do this or to do that or to get three hours of CME on, on you know, pain management or something like that. That's not going to get it done. We need to shift our thinking to harm reduction, increasing access to care and reducing deaths, not just sort of saying, okay, we have 100,000 physicians that did X problem solved, because clearly it's not solved. Medicine doesn't stand still and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. What do you mean when you, you talk about harm reduction, reducing harm? Can you give us more details about that change in thinking? Yeah, yep. So, you know, when it comes to opioid use disorder, harm reduction or substance use disorder, harm reduction commonly is, is thought to be focused on naloxone, right? This life-saving opioid overdose-related drug that saves tens of thousands of lives. And the AMA encourages physicians to prescribe it and to learn about its use. But harm reduction, though, is much more than that. It also includes access to things like needle and syringe exchange services to reduce the spread of, of bloodborne infectious disease. Um, and that includes making sure that, that the laws help um, pregnant uh, women and, and parenting women and families get treatment for substance use disorder rather than threaten them with punishment and sort of separating families and adding to the stress. Um, it also includes ensuring that medications for treating substance use disorder and care for mental illness is provided to those who need it in jails and prisons, right? So all these sort of subsets of the population that are very high risk, but right now have a hard time getting treatment. And finally, it includes harm reduction centers um, for safe drug use, um, as well as distributing fentanyl test strips. So the fentanyl that comes in off the street has such a wide variety in dosing that sometimes what you think you're taking is something that will kill you. And so just simply test strips to find out the potency of what it is that's there minimizes the deaths from it. So it really is a, it is a different way of thinking. And uh, that, that's an excellent way to clarify that aspect of harm reduction. You also mentioned uh, increasing access to care. Um, you know, we, we hear stories of patients that go to pharmacies with a prescription, but the insurance company 
uh, requires prior authorization and the pharmacist can't reach the physician. You know, what happens in a scenario like that? Yeah, well, un unfortunately, what happens, there's multiple press reports about patients winding up having to leave that pharmacy without that prescription that they need so badly. Um, and some patients have returned to using uh, because um, of this lack of access. And of course, then they can die of an overdose. So there's no medical or moral reason to delay or deny a patient access to that life-saving medication. And that's why every state has to prohibit prior authorization for medications from being a barrier to adequate treatment of opioid use disorder. And that's, that's just the first step, but such a basic step. Don't disconnect patients with the treatment they need by a bureaucratic process um, that delays them getting the medication at the counter at that pharmacy. Speaking of disconnect in pharmacy, you know, we, we also hear about patients who, you know, they've been on a stable opioid therapy for years only to go, you know, to a pharmacy and have the pharmacist tell them it's against the law to continue at the dosage that they were prescribed. Again, what, what's the outcome there with patients? Yeah, I mean, these arbitrary reductions of care, just like what you just described, cause incredible physical suffering and mental anguish. Um, these, these laws and policies um, by health insurance companies and pharmacy chains have been linked to hundreds of suicides as well. I mean, just the desperation that happens in that moment. I mean, it's time for policymakers to remove these arbitrary and, and sometimes counterproductive laws. Um, patients with pain have suffered a lot because of these laws and policies based on the 2016 um, CDC opioid prescribing guidelines. You know, and so those guidelines were used as sort of lines in the sand, meaning you cannot get more than X. And that's just not how medicine works. That's not how patient care works. So the CDC is now considering changes to that. And we urge them to adopt the AMA's recommendations to restore balance and put compassion back into taking care of patients with pain. Dr. McConnell, I, I talked to you know, many different physicians about many different topics. One thing is the same. The, the pandemic has made everything worse. Uh, is this situation uh, with the overdose epidemic another one of those things? Absolutely. I mean, there's no question that the pandemic has exacerbated the nation's drug overdose and death epidemic. Um, on top of that, you know, structural racism, health inequities have made the pandemic even worse for the marginalized and minoritized communities. And the same is true when in the context of the uh, opioid overdose epidemic. So research and data from the NIH and SAMHSA and the CDC, um, all of which show rising mortality rates for these historically minoritized and marginalized populations. So absolutely just, you know, one more bad thing that's come from COVID. So as chair of the task force, uh, how have you and the rest of the task force attempted to really address, uh, you know, these are, these are big challenges. Absolutely. Yep. So we've, we really tried to support the federal government in using telemedicine to increase access to care. I mean, this is a perfect situation for telemedicine. It's not physical exam intensive. It's more conversation intensive. Perfect for what we're doing right now, talking on the screen to each other. We've supported the DEA and its rollout of of new options for mobile treatment units to sort of bring evidence-based care to rural areas and underserved areas where patients don't necessarily have the ability to drive 20 miles to get somewhere. And the pandemic, you know, made the drug overdose epidemic worse, but certainly we're not giving up on treating. Uh, Dr. McCamela, you know, uh, what do you think the key takeaways are from this report for policymakers and other key stakeholders out there? Yeah, I mean, key takeaways, I would say that, you know, policymakers and, and these other stakeholders have a choice of whether to pursue evidence-based strategies to support patients 
um, and their access to this life-saving and life-affirming care. So every effort, you know, it has to be made to remove the health, health inequities and these barriers for patients with substance use disorder, mental illness, patients suffering in pain, remove the barriers that stop them from getting the care that they need. More of our loved ones will suffer and die if these barriers remain. Um, and physicians are going to continue every effort we can to help our patients. And we're willing and eager to work with these stakeholders to stop people from dying and improve these outcomes and change this trajectory. So, you know, we, it, we've made some progress with reducing prescriptions, but obviously the target has shifted and we have to continue our focus because we still have a long way to go. Well, Dr. McComla, thank you to you and the task force and our AMA advocacy team for all of the work going on to address this incredible challenge. To learn more about AMA's overdose epidemic report, visit end-overdose-epidemic.org. We'll be back soon with another Moving Medicine video and podcast. You can join us for future episodes and podcasts of Moving Medicine by subscribing at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. I'm Todd Unger, and this has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.